Welcome to Sustainable Northfield, a podcast project based in Northfield, Minnesota, focused on making sustainability education more accessible and interesting for everyone. On this episode, Chloe Trubenbach speaks with Kevin Strauss and Cole Johnson about stormwater pollution prevention. So I can start. Um, I'm Cole Johnson. I'm the water quality technician with the city in Northfield. Um, the general overview overview of my position with the city is I deal with all things stormwater related. Um, on a more specific scale, I um, pretty much implement the city's stormwater pollution prevention program. Um, it's a, a program that we have to develop um, that's approved by the state, so the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, to essentially reduce our pollutants that um, run off into local surface water, such as Cannon River. I'm Kevin Strauss. I'm the Community Engagement Coordinator for Clean River Partners. Um, for those not familiar with the name Clean River Partners, until yesterday we were called Cannon River Watershed Partnership, but we just voted to approve a new name. Uh, as community engagement coordinator, I do education and outreach primarily with city and community groups around the Cannon River watershed. Uh, for the city of Northfield, I do education and outreach about stormwater education, and we uh, work with volunteer groups to stencil storm drains to remind people that only rain is supposed to go down the drain. We uh, run the poster contest with elementary students. We just wrapped that up uh, yesterday, um, uh, where students in second, third, fourth, and fifth grades, will create posters to educate the public about keeping stormwater clean because stormwater very quickly becomes river water in the Cannon River. That's great, yeah. So how did you both come to be in the Northfield area? Are either of you from Northfield? So I grew up in Owatonna, um, lived there all my life, actually, until I moved to St. Cloud for college. Um, I got my uh, bachelor's in environmental studies from St. Cloud State University. Um, after that, I got a job with the city of Faribault for two years doing a little bit more technical work uh, with some of the aspects of the MS4 permit. And then um, I did some storm sewer structure repair and all sorts of other stuff. Um, and then after that, I the position became available in Northfield, and um, through you know, kind of actually chatting with my former boss at Faribault, she thought that Northfield would be a good fit for me. So um, I applied here and got the job, and have been working with the city of Northfield for five and a half years now. Um, so. That's, that's how I came to Northfield. I came to Northfield from Wisconsin. Uh, I went to school at Lake College, um, school very similar to Carleton and St. Olaf, and then worked at different environmental education centers around the country. And then uh, after graduate school, came to Minnesota because Minnesota has a lot of environmental education opportunities and centers. And my wife and I worked uh, in southwestern Minnesota and up in Ely, Minnesota. And when we came down south, um, I was looking for work. And I started 
by working with the Zumbra Watershed Partnership, a nonprofit group in Rochester on clean water things. And then uh, opportunity opened up in Northfield with the Cannon River Watershed Partnership. And so I uh, still live here in Rochester, but I commute. Well, before COVID, I would commute. Um, I'll probably commute again at some point in the future uh, and do uh, work out of the office uh, in Northfield. Uh, I have another question for Paul. Um, uh, the city of Northfield takes a pretty active role in managing stormwater runoff and flood prevention, erosion control, and sanitation. Um, why is it so important to manage stormwater? Um, I mean, as far from a regulatory perspective, um, obviously we have to do uh, stormwater management um, with our MS4 permit that were issued. Um, I mean, that's, that's a very basic role, but it's also extremely important to manage stormwater runoff because it's, you know, largely a, a direct contributor to all of our lakes and streams that have um, been listed as impaired by the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency. And uh, we're seeing more and more of that as they, you know, go deeper into their studies over the years. So um, it's extremely important to... Uh, do the work that we do here in the city to manage our stormwater runoff and play, you know, play a part in the bigger picture of keeping all of our uh, water bodies clean and um, safe for recreation and fishing. And yeah. So um, then, a question for Kevin: What does the uh, Canada Watershed Partnership do? Um, I guess, in what ways do you partner with Northfield? Sure, sure. Clean River Partners partners with Northfield in a couple of different ways. One way is through the stormwater contract. Uh, the city of Northfield has lots of things they have to do as part of their uh, MS4 permit. And part of it is physical things like running the um, street sweeper to clean streets and uh, checking in with construction sites to make sure that they're managing their stormwater so muddy water isn't going down the storm drain, but technical things. Um, but a lot of cities don't have uh, education and outreach staff in place to do the education components of the permit. And so a long time ago, long before my time, uh, Canon River Watershed Partnership was our name back then, uh, and the city of Northfield got together and, um, and worked a contract where we would, since we have education and outreach staff already who worked in several communities and different kinds of education, we could uh, help the city by doing education and outreach here in town, too. Um, and that's kind of one of our project areas. Um, Clean River Partners also, we have the community engagement component, which is what I do, stormwater. It also is, I also work on the um, uh, September Cannon River watershed-wide cleanup, a cleanup uh, event that we do the third Saturday of September, where there are about 10 different locations around the watershed where volunteer groups get together and, and clean up litter. Um, usually in Northfield, we've got uh, about 150 people uh, that come out to do those things. Um, crowds from, from St. Olaf and, and some folks from Carlton have participated in the past. Um, we also do film festivals and, and lots of other activities like that in my area. Um, my coworker, Al Krauss, works with farmers because we know that runoff pollution comes from cities, so the stormwater piece, but it also comes from rural areas. And Al works with farmers to help them put more conservation, like cover crops, on the land to make sure that the land is keeping the soil in place and keeping the water clean. 
And then we also uh, have done some work and still doing a little bit of work in uh, helping smaller communities deal with um, wastewater issues. Sometimes there'll be a lake or a small community where um, their current septic systems aren't quite doing the job of, of keeping water clean. And uh, we have some part-time staff that will go in the community and talk with them about, hey, you know, we notice there's a problem here. There's a regulation. You have to change your system. Um, we can help you walk through the process because there are ways uh, that the state of Minnesota can help people create and, and fix their septic systems um, other than waiting for things to get really, really bad. And so those are kind of the three projects that Canada River Partners does, community engagement, conservation, and, and uh, wastewater. Are people generally pretty willing to participate and, and help uh, keep like waterways clean and everything? Uh, some people are. Uh, it, it's always exciting when, when people jump right in. It, it varies a lot with what we're asking them to do and what's uh, going to cost them in time or resources or money. And so, uh, my work area when I'm talking with people about uh, keeping grass clippings or fertilizer pellets off the streets or sidewalks in their neighborhoods, that's not a big ask. A lot of people are comfortable doing that because, first of all, you know, grass clippings and fertilizer pellets are fertilizer, they're natural fertilizer for your lawn. And you want to fertilize your lawn. Um, you don't want that fertilizer to go down the storm drain because it doesn't do any good for your yard then. And so those are pretty good asks, pretty easy asks to make. Uh, sometimes in, in uh, across work working with farmers, if he's asking them to cover crops, there's, there's a pretty big cost to that process, and the, the operator may or may not know how to uh, how to apply the crop and, and those sorts of things. And so that's why Al works a lot with farmers to kind of help them through that process. Um, so so it really varies. Um, it's always heartening. We have lots of people who are doing great things for clean water both in the city of Northfield and in other cities, as well as in rural areas. Um, there's a big job to do. You know, as much work as we're doing to keep the river clean, um, the best data we have is all that work is keeping uh, water quality about where it was 20 years ago. We haven't gotten any worse, which is good. We're also not getting any better. And so um, we're doing enough to, to keep the status quo, which is better than falling behind, uh, but we're not quite Getting enough uh, activity in, in the watershed actually water cleaner. I noticed on the uh, Clean River Partners website that the um, board and the director uh, had comments and the commitment to listen to friends, neighbors, and community members to identify as people of color and indigenous mm -hmm. people. I was wondering what that relationship has looked like so far and um, how you might like to continue. Yeah. Um, over the last year, lots of, of organizations in, in looking at what's happening in Minnesota and across the country realized that um, we have some challenges. We have some big challenges in making sure that everybody in our state is safe on the streets and has the same access to resources and, and healthy environments that, that a lot of us um, white folks do. And uh, our organization, our membership, um, folks who work with, by and large, are European American. And so when, when we saw all the things happening in the States from last year and ongoing now, trying to think, okay, how can we be involved? What are the diversity, equity, 
and inclusion things we can be involved in. And and it's been a challenge for us to find those pieces. Um, you know, when when Al works with farmers, you know, in the category of 95, 97% of farmers in southern Minnesota are old white guys. Um, and so there's not a lot of diversity there for historical and other reasons. And so um, so we looked at all of our programs and started thinking, okay, well, are there ways we could do more outreach? And are there barriers, you know, to activities that we could deal with? Um, and uh, we, it was before uh, last year that we did this. We had been um, making some headway in, um, in looking at diversity, both economic diversity and racial diversity in Northfield and tried to figure out, okay, when we have public events, um, sometimes we'll go and, and uh, catch bugs in the river and talk about the insects in the river and what that means for water quality. And when we do programs, we often will get um, a mix of folks from, from lots of different parts of the community and, and a diverse mix of folks. Um, when we talk about clean water, kind of technical scientific stuff, um, the folks we see in the room generally are, are folks that tend to be white, middle-class, highly educated people. And so we thought, okay, well, if we want to be reaching more people, we need to have more diverse programming and more public programming. And so we were starting to gear up that just when the pandemic hit. Um, but we, we had seen some success. Um, there's a, a great program that the um, Pride Lake Sportsman's Group does in our region where they have Take a Kid Fishing Day, where you can sign up through Community Ed and um, walk to a private pond, and there's uh, anglers there that have been fishing for decades who will then, you know, if, if you own fish in your family, if you want your child to learn how to fish, you go to this special event, and these anglers will show your child how to get a hook, how to cast, how to do all those skills. Because we know from experience that, that if your family doesn't take part in some outdoor recreation, it's harder for kids to get involved. And so that's a great program. It's been going on for years, and, and we help out in the education of that program. We noticed that it wasn't a super diverse program. Um, and so we thought, okay, well, what are the barriers? And one barrier was you had to have a vehicle to go from town, to, out of town, to this private lake. You had to have a parent that wasn't working during the program. You had to have the resources to pay the fee to do the program. You know, there, there were some barriers there. And so we began brainstorming, okay, how can we get rid of those barriers? And uh, as part of the year of water in 2019, we held a fishing the Cannon River event right in downtown Northfield at a game that's no part. Um, and, and that worked really well. We got a good crowd of folks, um, and we, we saw from that experience, because it was easy to get there, because the program was free, because we had donations of equipment, um, we saw a wider diversity of participants, which was encouraging for us to see that we can reach out beyond just the white, middle-class, highly educated audiences who already show up for our program. Great. Yeah, that's, that's really important work. I'm glad that your organization does that. I think uh, cool. something that Northfield seems to do really well is provide equitable solutions to environmental or social problems. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering what's an element of equity in the work that you do. So, um, Yes, going back to regulatory requirement now, we're, we're going with, uh, we're actually doing a new SWIP authorization. Um, the, the MS4 permit operates on a five-year cycle, um, and we've been working for the past six months or so on um, 
getting new authorization under the new SWIP and some of the um, things outlined in the MS4 permit is um, making sure your education and outreach program uh, is reaching, uh, you know, people of color, um, people in the, you know, affordable housing units. Um, so we've been looking at options to do to that uh, or to do for that. And, um, some of the things that we're going to be proposing changes to our SWIP, well, that we're going to be implementing in our SWIP is, you know, when we send out these uh, clean water um, articles that Kevin writes for us um, as part of our education outreach plan, we're going to start um, having, it's essentially going to be one side will be in English, the other side will be translated to Spanish. Um, since that is our largest uh, minority group here in Northfield, um, and we're, we're going to have that either sent out, you know, as a mailing um, or within the utility bill inserts. And one thing that we've realized um, over time is that with the utility bills, a lot of times with the manufactured home parks or um, apartment complexes or affordable housing units, a lot of times those utility bills only get sent to, uh, you know, a sole property manager um, and then it's divvied out from there. So uh, we're looking at essentially sending those or in those areas we're going to be um you know sending out individual mailings to each one of the residents so they have an equal opportunity to um you know learn learn about stormwater pollution and how what ways they can do or what ways they can prevent stormwater pollution you know uh, around their around their area um a big thing that has been you know on northfield's radar for the past you know, three years especially, um, we've been doing our, you know, st strategic plan and implementation. And um, one of the things, you know, one of the key items in there is, you know, racial equity and inclusion. And so I really think that um, what we're doing with the stormwater pollution uh, prevention articles, um, you know, really speaks to that. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's, as we go on and get a little more uh, well-versed in, you know, the opportunities where we can provide equity and, and inclusion for all, um, I'm sure we'll come up with more ideas along the way. But that is one specific item that I can think of off the top of my head. So, Great. Yeah, it's, it's an ongoing process. I think I would like to change gears a little bit and talk about the rain garden um, program that Northfield has. Um, why don't we just start with explaining what rain gardens are and how they work? So rain gardens are essentially a residential BMP, um, BMP being best management practice. Um, it's a term that we use quite often in the stormwater world. Um, a rain garden specifically is, you know, a small depression in the ground that's usually uh, vegetated with native plants and flowers um, that essentially collect stormwater runoff from impervious surfaces. And that water collects in that rain garden basin and um, it infiltrates water you know, directly into the ground and recharge, essentially recharges our groundwater aquifer, aquifers. Um, 
when they filter that or when they infiltrate that water, they do a great job of filtering out you know, any pollutants that are in that water, such as you know sediment or phosphorus or nitrogen. Um, so they're not only recharging groundwater aquifers, but they are um, you know cleaning that water as well. And since we're infiltrating it, we're also preventing it from going back into the Cannon River. So um, that can, you know, alleviate some of the flood stress that we see, um, you know, it seems like seasonally now. Um, so, yeah. And one thing people don't realize about, about towns is it used to be when uh, a rainstorm would happen before we had such uh, urban areas with so much pavement in them, you know, the rain would fall and the flow volume of the river would go up a little bit and then come down, kind of a, a not a real steep curve. Now that we have a lot of pavement, that water moves really fast, and we've got a really efficient storm drain system, which does its job. That means that we get more like a way up and way down kind of flow, and and that's when you start seeing erosion and, and banks with torn off vegetation is because of that real fast up and down. Um, and and pink gardens are, are a great way to help kind of manage that. I actually did a, a study up in, um, in the Twin Cities where they had a neighborhood where they really intensively worked with uh, with homeowners to put in rain gardens. And they saw that stormwater from that, that neighborhood began to follow that sort of natural pattern again of, of going up a little bit and then coming down again. Which um, was, was the goal, is to try to um, re-engineer things so that it's a more natural flow rather than the rush of water and then nothing for a while. So how does uh, how does the rain garden incentive program work? So just to give a little bit of background on it, I think in as 2012 or 2013, the Environmental Quality Commission um, you know came up with this idea that we should incentivize uh, residents here in Northfield um, to install a um, rain garden on their property to help with these issues that you know we previously talked about um so we uh essentially made a crediting system that if a homeowner wants to install a rain garden on their property um all they have to do is keep their receipt information fill out the application um turn that into the city and then we'll go out and do an inspection verify that it was actually installed and whatnot and then the, the resident um, can receive up to $250 um, for installing that rain garden on their property. The, the way that we do that is, um, which you have to have a utility bill with uh, the city of Northfield, but we um, essentially apply a credit to their utility bill. So say somebody's you know utility bill is 50 bucks a month, then um, they get the full two hundred and fifty dollars for the rain or rain garden incentive. Um, you know they essentially won't have to pay their utility bill for five months. So it's kind of a uh, quick and easy to, way to describe how it actually works. So that's great. What a what a great program. Um, so if someone wants to start a rain garden or get involved in that program or maybe just has questions or something, where would they go to get that information? 
So we, one, we have quite a bit of information, like the application is, it can be kind of daunting to look at at first. It's, you know, essentially, I think it's like eight or nine pages long, but realistically within that application, it has a, or quite a bit of information on, you know, um, how to, how to install your rain garden. Um, and, you know, some questions, uh, that, you know, can be answered by reviewing that application. Um, one of the things we do with Can or Clean River Partners um, is we put on a rain garden workshop. Typically, you know, in March, um, we want to do it when uh, before the growing season, so people have time to uh, plan out and you know get an idea of what they want in their yard. And, um, that's put on through the community education program, but. Myself, Kevin, and one of our uh, one of the guys from Dakota County Soil and Water Conservation District comes down, and we have a three hour class, and just go through pretty much all the information that you could ever want on a rain garden. And um, you know, we usually have some some time at the end of the class to go through individually with the residents, and um, you know, talk more specifically about their rain garden and where where you know, we think it would work best on their property. And, um, you know, uh, Kurt's an extremely uh, valuable resource for that because I, I don't know how many rain gardens he's established or planted, but it is quite a lot. And, um, you know, he knows, he knows quite a bit of information about rain gardens. So we value having him at that class as well. Kurt even put uh, rain gardens in his house, and which I think is more than I've done. Well, have you ever installed a rain garden like at your own house or something? I personally haven't owned property yet, so no, I haven't. <laughs> okay. Well, it's good to have someone actually did it on his own property so he can have that experience. Yeah. Great. So, um, if someone isn't able to start a rain garden, um, maybe they are listening to this podcast that don't live in Northfield, or maybe they aren't able to make time for it right now, or maybe like you told, they don't have property at the moment. Um, what can they do to help uh, manage and prevent stormwater pollution? So um, one of the things, we actually have a brand new program that we're essentially releasing today, I believe, is when the press release is going to go out. Um, we have been working, you know, over the winter to start a adopted catch basin program. Um, so it's a program that residents can go out, they can adopt a catch basin, they can uh, name it if they would like to. Um, I named one local one out in front of City Hall, and it's named Stormy McStorm Drain. Um, I know another person at City Hall adopted a catch basin back by the parking lot and named it Pennywise. So you can get creative with your naming um, as long as it's, you know, of class. Um, but essentially the, the purpose of the program is to kind of one, educate residents about the, you know, storm drains and catch basins that they see in the road, um, what they're there for, you know, how they can essentially end up causing pollution to, um, our water bodies here in Northfield and uh, show some tips on how they can 
essentially keep them clean and free to breathe. So we're minimizing, you know, localized flooding events in our streets um, and, you know, preventing those uh, debris and organic matter from growing down the catch basins um, into the Can River, um, you know, to prevent algal blooms and whatnot. So we're pretty excited about that program. Um, we're hoping we're hoping the residents in Northfield will jump on that. Um, you'll see some more information on that, you know, over the next coming weeks. Um, you know, there's there's the big, you know, just you don't have to to prevent stormwater pollution. There's um, you know, you don't have to do anything that's actually structural, like a rain garden. You know, it's a lot of it's behavioral practices, and um, we kind of highlight some of that information in some of our stormwater news articles. It, you know, it's as simple as if you're um, washing your car. Uh, you know, typically a lot of people do that directly on their driveway. Um, you know, one of the things that we recommend is that. If you decide to wash your car, you know, pull it off into your front yard, you know, so it's on, on the grass, actually. So that water gets a chance to infiltrate, not actually just directly drain into, you know, the uh, storm sewer system out into the Cannon River. Um, we also have our native plant and rain barrel programs that are also great, and they um, do have the utility bill incentive where they also um you know give you a credit you do that installation on your property so um i think those are you know that's that's a few things that people can do that you know if you want to start now and just small small changes um to help prevent stormwater pollution prevent or stormwater pollution in the you know in our city and you know actually statewide so yeah, a lot of folks, when I'm talking with them about stormwater, um, and I tell them, you know, glass clippings or leaves are actually pollutants, you know, only things going down the storm drain. And I say, wait a minute, that's natural. You know, grass clippings, leaves, we've had those forever. And for my folks, yeah, we have had grass leaves forever. And before we had a storm drain system, it was only trees along the river that would drop their leaves into the Cannon River. It wouldn't be all the trees in the whole city of Northfield. And now our storm drain system is so efficient that you know, a tree could drop its leaves, you know, half a mile from the river, and the storm drain system could carry that leaf and and the fertilizer that's inside that leaf into the river. And so it's it's not a matter of natural versus not natural things causing a problem. It's um, talk about pollution being right stuff in the wrong place. And so while lawn fertilizer is great in your lawn, it's really bad in the river. And you know, while leaves are great in a compost pile. They're not ideal on your lawn because they might kill the grass, and they're also not ideal on the river because they would provide some fertilizer. And so just reminding folks to, to clear out around the storm drain and, and make sure that things they're doing, like mowing the lawn or raking leaves, aren't adding nutrients and, and chemicals to the drain itself. Great. Um, is there anything else you want to mention? An upcoming event or anything like that? Starting tomorrow morning, we are opening our, um, having an open comment period on our stormwater pollution prevention program. Um, the document that's on public review right now, 
for that will be open for the common period is our stormwater pollution prevention program that we um, you know implemented and adopted five years ago. So within the next few months, it might it's going to look a little different, and there'll actually be a open common period um, that's you know actually uh, required by the state. Or the state's going to be putting it on public comment for 30 days, our, our new stormwater pollution prevention program. So um, if you're curious and interested on um, what the next five years is going to look like on our stormwater pollution prevention plan, uh, feel free to, uh, you know, keep an eye out for that. We will also um, be putting out some information on that, letting people know when it's on public comment. So. I think one, one important thing is a lot of, sometimes people think that issues like water pollution are just too big, like there's too big a problem, there's you know, pollution coming from too many places, what can one person do about that? And, um, and so I always like to remind folks that, yeah, there are challenges for sure, but, you know, we also have seen neighborhoods where, you know, neighbors kind of get together and they all keep their uh, grass clippings off the street and keep fertilizer on their lawn and and we can see you know when, when surveys are done that that leads to cleaner water um and it's true that you know you taking care of your lawn is not going to make the cannon river steam river overnight but that that you know cities definitely have an impact on water quality and so you know, the, the more people in northfield are doing their part to keep those those pollutants off the storm drain Clear the water will be, which is great for everybody. Because even if you don't fish or canoe or swim in the Cannon River, or a lot of city parks right on the river, let's see a lot of people picnicking there, walking there, and, and clean water is good for lots of reasons um, for for recreation right on the water, but also for just being near it, um, and and also for you might be doing downstream. Even if you don't, you know, I, I don't think there's a swimming area on the Cannon River in Northfield. You have a, a pool in town. But if you ever go to Lake Pillsby, you know, there are a lot of swimming areas there and it's the same water. And so, um, you know, we all live downstream of somebody. And so we encourage folks to do their part to keep that water as clean and healthy as possible. Great. What a great note to end on. Um, thank you both so much for agreeing to have this conversation with me. I feel like I learned so much. I'm so glad I got to pick both of your brains and learn more about what's going on with stormwater in Northfield. Thank you so much to Cole and Kevin for joining us on this podcast, and thank you listeners for listening. If you're looking for more information about Clean River Partners or the city's incentive programs, check out the links in this episode's description. Make sure you keep an eye out for our next episode of Sustainable Northfield, where we make sustainability education more accessible and interesting for everyone.